Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. We have Brother Corey uh, assisting us today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. And those of the listeners who've been with us from the beginning, remember Brother Corey. Brother Corey um, has been a stable in our in our uh, in our church our foundation. He's been one of our deacon readers um, that we began with. And no, nothing was going on between the church and Brother Corey. The Most High, you know, had his ministry take him to a place to do some witnessing. I know, you know, some people probably wondered where his voice went, but he's still with the church. He's back. He's back from his missionary work, brothers and sisters, and he's going to be gracing us from now on. So today's lesson will be called the king and his kingdom, brothers and sisters. The king and his kingdom. We're we're going to be starting a series, brothers and sisters, um, a few week series on the kingdom of heaven, brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God. This is something that the Most High have led us, uh, the direction He've led us to go into. So we're going to start a series, and we would encourage brothers and sisters to listen to this series in order, uh, because it'll be hard to understand. If you don't start from the beginning. So today will be series part one. The kingdom of heaven. The lesson will be called the king and his kingdom part one. The series will be on the kingdom of heaven brothers and sisters. Please follow us to Matthew 4 and 17. Matthew 4 and 17. From that time Christ began to preach and to say repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this was Christ's first public declaration, brothers and sisters. So this matters. This was his first time speaking publicly, brothers and sisters. When you read Matthew, this is the beginning. First, you had what? When you look at Matthew chapter 3, was him finding John, right? Submitting to John's authority and then going through the water. When you go into Matthew chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 4 was what? It was Christ being led in the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil. So not until then did Christ begin to preach. That's why it says, what does it say, brother? Verse 17. From that time, Christ began to preach. That's key. From that time. So it's shown what, brothers and sisters? This is structure. Those of us who want to be in ministry, no matter what part of ministry it is, there is a process. And it begins with water, brothers and sisters, for all of us. If it began with water for Christ, it definitely begins with water for me and Brother Corey and and the person over the choir and the administration. It first must begin with water. And then you go through a wilderness, you go through a testing. And now Christ is saying from that time he began to preach, which means before this time he didn't preach anything, brothers and sisters. And that's critical for Israelites out there. Because I know many Israelites don't believe in water baptism. If you don't believe in water baptism, you should not be in ministry, brothers and sisters. And that is not my opinion. That is the scripture. We're going to read that one more time. Matthew 4 and 17. From that time, Christ began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is key, brothers and sisters, because as we've already said, that this was his first public declaration. And it's it's clear, it's evident that Christ's message was clearly kingdom focused because his first declaration was on the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Why do we go here? 
we went here to emphasize the preoccupation Christ had with the kingdom concept. Brothers and sisters, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the primary theme of the New Testament is the kingdom, brothers and sisters, the kingdom. This is why we're going into a, a series that's going to stretch a few weeks, three or four weeks, brothers and sisters. We ask that you stay with us from the beginning to the end, brothers and sisters, and take your vocation series because some of the information that's coming out should be it should be life altering, brothers and sisters. Lord willing. We're going to go to Matthew 10 and 4, Brother Corey. Follow us there, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. Matthew 10, verse 5. These twelve Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now exa examine this, analyze this closely, brothers and sisters, because initially this was an exclusive gospel to a chosen nation. Christ said, don't go into the way of the Gentiles. Who is a Gentile? Gentile is somebody who is not of the children of Israel. doesn't matter if they're African uh, Korean, uh, any race that's not an Israelite is a Gentile, historically, brothers and sisters. So he said, don't go to anyone but Israel, only go to the Negroes, the Natives, the Hispanics, the Costa Ricans, the, the, the Black Watainos, the Vietnamese, those from the South Pacific, only go to these people at this time. Can you read that one more time, brother, from five? Matthew 10, verse five. These twelve Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying. Saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now this is key brothers and sisters, because he's telling the, the disciples what to preach, the kingdom of heaven. See, now this is an indication of something here, brothers and sisters, something vital that we must not overlook. Christians have perverted the true gospel because they're not teaching the kingdom. But this is what he told us to do. This is exactly what he told us to teach, brothers and sisters, or preach rather. Preach the kingdom of heaven. And most even Israelites are not doing this. They've We've made our own doctrines, our own gospel, rather. Can you read verse 7 one more time, brother? Verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is key. Because why? Christians, they teach the door and not the destination. They teach Calvary. They teach Christ's blood. And, you know, everything is about Christ. And listen, Christ is the king, but he didn't say preach about him. First thing you must preach is the kingdom of heaven, brothers and sisters. And Christians have perverted this gospel by preaching Christ, Christ, Christ. That's not what he said preach, brothers and sisters. And guess what? This was a purpose plan by Satan. Because if you teach them the destination, which is the kingdom of heaven, and the lifestyle that come with that destination, they'll find the door, which is Christ, brothers and sisters. See, Christ said, I'm the door, right? No man come to the Father but by me. But you don't preach the door. You preach what's behind the door so they can find the door, brothers and sisters. 
See, this is key. We must be disciplined concerning sharing this gospel, brothers and sisters. You can't say, well, because I know some scriptures, I'm going to teach whatever I want to teach. Don't work like that. The Most High, He don't work like that. He, he laid out a blueprint of what should be taught and how it should be taught, brothers and sisters. And what we're supposed to preach first is the kingdom of heaven, brothers and sisters. Now, if you've been following us from the beginning, you know we've taught the kingdom of heaven. But not in detail like this series is going to be, brothers and sisters. This series, the most I have encouraged Brother Corey and I to put together this series that's in depth to give our brothers and sisters a clear understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is and how it operates. Not just what we read in Revelations about the, the golden streets. And that's, that, you know, that's fine, but that's not, that's milk. That's not the meat, brothers and sisters. We're going to go in depth of, to this, excuse me, we're going to go in depth the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what Christ told us to do, brothers and sisters. Let's, let's magnify that point by going to Matthew 24. We're sticking in the gospel here, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Matthew 24. And excuse me, 14. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. See, we're rediscovering the priority, brothers and sisters. This is the number one priority. Can you read that again? Verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness Unto all nations. Read that one more time. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom right, shall be preached. Right there. And this gospel. See. <laughs> Look at that brothers and sisters. See. He knew we were perverted. We, he knew we would make up our own gospel. So he said this gospel. See. When you're following Christ. You have to follow exactly what he said. Most people think. That if you have a platform, then you use that platform to teach whatever you want to teach. And it don't work like that. I don't have, we don't have that freedom, brothers and sisters. We just do exactly as he told us to do because he trusts us to do that. It says and preach this gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, brothers and sisters. So this is a mandate to introduce the concepts, principles, and nature of a true authentic kingdom, brothers and sisters. The kingdom is a divine prerogative, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. Now, we have to make a distinction here, brothers and sisters, because it says preach here. Now, there's a difference between preaching and teaching, brothers and sisters. Read your Bible again. Read the New Testament because preaching is what you do to a non-believer, brothers and sisters. Teaching is what you do to someone who believes. When you notice, Christ preached publicly. He taught the twelve privately, brothers and sisters. So I'm not sure what Christians, you know, what Christians are dealing with. But he's telling you when you go into public, the first thing you need to be preaching in order to... to uh, to bring somebody into the fold is the kingdom. Don't go to somebody and say, well, yeah, brother, you know, Christ died on the cross for your sins. <laughs> you know, he shed his blood on Calvary. That is not what you bring to an unbeliever. You bring the kingdom, the lifestyle that come with the kingdom, brothers and sisters. And once they believe, 
Once they say, okay, I believe in this kingdom, how do I get in? Now you go into Christ. And in, in that order, brothers and sisters. So going to the gospel again, when he preached, it was always to the multitude. He never preached to the disciples. He taught the disciples, brothers and sisters. So it's a clear difference in preaching and teaching. When he was in the, the space of multitudes, that's when he did preaching. Teaching was a private matter to, for people who already believe. Brothers and sisters. Now, also, this scripture is given an indication how many times he's told us to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Because that's what three times already, brothers and sisters. Hundreds of times throughout the New Testament, it's Christ preaching the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like it's the only it's the only thing he taught, brothers and sisters It's the only thing he taught. Everything he preached throughout the gospel was the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, so somewhere we got our wires crossed and started making it more about Calvary and the blood and the virgin birth. He never said preach that stuff, brothers and sisters. He said preach the kingdom. And that is what we're going to do, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Luke. We're going to stick in the gospel here. Please follow us. We're going to Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Luke 9, verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. And, and what? And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Look at this, brothers and sisters. The Most High's original intention was to establish and extend his heavenly kingdom on earth. That's why he said he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, but first preach the kingdom. See, you preach the kingdom and then you heal the sick to show them that the kingdom is here. See, he never healed first, brothers and sisters. Go read it again. Go read the gospel again. He never healed first. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and then showed them the evidence by healing them and saying, listen, this is the kingdom. Now, let me heal you so you can see how it is in the kingdom. You don't have the right to be sick in the kingdom. So you have to be very careful when you're reading Christ's life, brothers and sisters. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, some of Acts, brothers and sisters. Because a lot of times there's, there's more attractive scriptures. You know, everybody wants to go to the Apographer. Most Israelites want to deal in the Torah, the Tanakh. But dealing with Christ is some of the most important information there, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time from the top, brother? Luke 9, verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God. Now, brothers and sisters, immigrants come to America for what? For the quality of life and the lifestyle. They don't come here for the president. <laughs> they don't come here for Donald Trump or for Barack Obama. Not one single Mexican said, you know what? Barack Obama is the president. I think I want to live in that country. No, you advertise the lifestyle that comes with citizenship to the president's territory. See, what we've done, we've preached Christ, Christ, Christ. When we should be preaching the lifestyle that come with the kingdom that Christ is king over, brothers and sisters. Look at it from that perspective. You don't advertise the president, brothers and sisters. You don't advertise, you know, the the prime minister, to get someone to migrate into your country. You preach 
the or you advertise rather the lifestyle. When you want to go to you know Hawaii, you don't care who the mayor of Hawaii is. <laughs> Sell me the the sandy beaches. <laughs> Sell me the 75 degree weather all year round. Sell me the clear blue waters. See, that's what Christ is saying. Tell them the lifestyle. Tell them the privilege. Tell them the rights that they get in this kingdom. And then when they want to find the door to that kingdom, you point them to me because I'm the door into the kingdom. But first you take them the kingdom, brothers and sisters. See, now this is this is information on how to witness brothers and sisters. You know, usually you're not going to pull a brother off the street and start telling him about Christ's blood. And then he's going to say, well, okay, <laughs> you know, I'll change. No, you have to show him that there's a better life that's in scripture. And once he or she make the decision to want to obtain that better life, then you show him Christ. Then you show him the doorway, brothers and sisters. And that's what this series is going to do, brothers and sisters. We're going to follow exactly what Christ directed us to do, which was Preach the kingdom of God. We're going to Luke 4 and 43, Brother Corey. Luke 4 and 43. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. For what? For therefore am I sent. He said I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities because that's why I was sent. Look at this, brothers and sisters. See, Christians skip over all of this. Most Israelites skip over all of this. What are we showing here? We're showing that this was the central message Christ taught, brothers and sisters. Throughout his earthly ministry, Christ preached about the kingdom of God. I need you to examine these scriptures, brothers and sisters. Analyze these closely. Can you read that one more time, brother? Luke 4 and 43. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. This is why he was sent, brothers and sisters. This is why he was sent. And we have a series that we're doing that's going to help us understand exactly what Christ was teaching and why he was teaching it, brothers and sisters. But historically, amongst the children of Israel, the idea of the kingdom of God was accepted theological reality. That's what it was, brothers and sisters. Obviously, because that's what Christ was teaching. So this was his message and his mission here, brothers and sisters. And we will do the same thing, brothers and sisters. We will preach the kingdom of God. We will teach the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. Now, we know that most Christians do what? They don't even use the gospel. Who do they use, brothers and sisters? They use the epistles. They use Paul. That's what they use. They, they're using letters that actually wasn't supposed to be used for preaching. It was letters dealing with, you know, specific incidents in a church, but they've built their whole doctrine around a letter, brothers and sisters. So if you want to follow Paul, let's see what Paul taught. We're going to go to Acts 28 and 30, brothers and sisters. Let's see what Paul taught. See, this is why I show a Christian. Since you want to follow Paul, excuse me. Proverbs, excuse me, it's Acts 28 and 30. Acts 28 verse 30. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. Now we know, those of us who know, you know, the Bible, 
We understand that Paul was pretty much under probation or house arrest because he was preaching the gospel so good that the Romans said, hold on, man, <laughs> we need to restrict this brother because if he keep teaching this gospel, it will tear down our whole infrastructure. So Paul was not in prison, but they put a restriction on him where he couldn't go to all these different lands because we all know Paul went all over the place. They're like, hold on, Paul. You, you know, you're on probation. We're going to restrict you. You don't leave your house. So this is where we're at. We just needed to give context, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Corey read that one more time. Acts 28, verse 30. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. To show you that people was coming to Paul to learn. Verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God. Doing what, brother? Preaching the kingdom of God. Paul was preaching the kingdom of God just like Christ. And teaching those things which concern the Lord Christ with all confidence. No man forbidding him. Now there's something here you have to analyze. He was preaching the kingdom of God. He was teaching those things which concern Christ. <laughs> See? Don't skip that, brothers and sisters. Take your time. These are vital. This is vital. There's a distinction between preaching and teaching. You don't preach Christ. You preach the kingdom. You teach Christ, brothers and sisters. See, there's a difference here. You preach to unbelievers. You teach believers, brothers and sisters. See, you don't need to know about Christ if you don't know about the kingdom, because why would you want to follow Christ? No person is going to say, you know what? I just want to have more laws to follow <laughs> for no reason. No. Now, if you show them there's a way to gain interest into a kingdom where there's protection and provision, okay, now I'll follow Christ. See? Can you read that one more time, brother? Acts, 20, Acts 28, verse 30. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. No man forbidding him. So this is crystal clear, brothers and sisters. We need those who are looking to be scholars to understand the difference between preaching and teaching and some of the minute details that are actually bigger than they seem, brothers and sisters. Now, if you analyze Christianity and Israelite doctrine closely, we have not spoken on the primary priority that Christ came to preach. Which, which was the kingdom. Now, in order to preach the kingdom, you must understand a kingdom has four basic elements. A king, a territory it occupies, subjects within that territory, and laws through which the will, excuse me, in which the will of the ruler or king is exercised, brothers and sisters. So, the very first thing we must be cognizant, it, cognizant of is a kingdom by definition is a land or territory under the authority or dominion of a king. So it cannot be a kingdom if it doesn't have a king, brothers and sisters. So in order to preach the or teach the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, you must first start at the top and work your way down. So we understand there's a kingdom of God. It's all throughout scriptures. You must understand there is a king of this kingdom brothers and sisters, and we're going to utilize the Bible today to give us that understanding. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 47. Please follow us, brothers and sisters. Psalms 47 and 7. 
Psalms 47 verse 7. For God is the king of all the earth. What did that say? For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Now this is key, brothers and sisters. It says, the most high God is the king of all the earth. So we must study the understanding of what kings are. Why? Because it is what he has chosen to identify himself with, brothers and sisters. See? Now we understand the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? And now God is saying, I'm the king of all the earth. See? So to understand the most high, you must study the qualities of a king, brothers and sisters. We're going to do that today. We're, this is a series on the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And we must understand a king first, the qualities of a king, how to behave in the presence of a king. If you're going to live in a king's kingdom, brothers and sisters. Why? Because I think through Christianity, primarily Catholicism and, you know, all the different denominations of the Christian church that we think God is somebody else than who he is. We, you know, we've been taught a mischaracterization or a misrepresentation of who the Most High is. So today's lesson is going to help us understand with clarity who the King is, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to First Ezra chapter 4. Because we're learning about the qualities of a king since the Most High says he's the king of all the earth. We're going to 1st Ezra in the Apocrypha. We're going to read chapter 4. We're going to read verse 1, brothers and sisters. 1st Ezra 4, verse 1. Then the second that has spoken of the strength of the king began to say, O ye men, do not men excel in strength that bear rule over sea and land? And all things in them. So what are we getting ready to read here? We're getting ready to read the power and authority of a king, brothers and sisters. Verse 3. But yet the king is more mighty, for he is lord of all these things, and hath dominion over them. And whatsoever he commanded them, they do. And what, brother? Whatsoever he commanded them, they do. Now that's key, brothers and sisters. That's key because the kingdom of God is a theocracy and not run by garnering the majority of votes. It says in whatsoever he commanded them, they do. <laughs> See, so if you're going to live in a kingdom, you must understand this. You must understand you do what the king says, because every Christian I know and Israelite also say, you know, they want to get into the kingdom. OK, well, you must be obedient if you try to, you know, if you're trying to live within the parameters of this kingdom. Can verse, you read that one more time? Verse 3. But yet the king is more mighty, for he is lord of all these things, and hath dominion over them. And whatsoever he commanded them, they do. If he bid them make war to one against the other, they do it. If he send them out against the enemies, they go, and break down mountain walls and, and towers. They slay and are slain and transgress not the king's commandment. Look at that. That's key. It says they slay and are slain and transgress not the king's commandment, which means obedience, even if it costs me my life. <laughs> you see this, brothers and sisters? Now, a few weeks ago, um, we went into a scripture. I think it was Proverbs uh, 31, 1 and 2 or 1 through 4, I believe. And it was referring to how it's not good for kings to drink wine. 
Brothers and sisters. And now you're understanding why. <laughs> now you're understanding why. Because the king had the right to say, go to war. See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 5. They slay and are slain and transgress not the king's commandment. If they get the victory, they bring all to the king, as well the spoil as all things else. Now this is key. It says if they get the victory, they bring all to the king. Showing you what? Everything in a, everything in a kingdom belongs to the king, brothers and sisters. You must understand that if you want to live in a kingdom. You own nothing. Everything belongs to the king. Verse 6, likewise, for those that are no soldiers and have not to do with wars, but use husbandry, when they have reaped again that which they had sown, they bring it to the king and compel one another to pay, pay tribute unto the king. Now, when we're talking about husbandry, brothers and sisters, what are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, uh, pretty much farming. We're talking about reaping and sowing the, the fruits and the vegetables and those things. That's husbandry, brothers and sisters, when you're tending to the vines. Verse 7. And yet he is but one man. If he command to kill, they kill. If he command to spare, they spare. If he command to smite, they smite. If he command to make desolate, they make desolate. If he command to build, they build. If he command to cut down, they cut down. If he command to plant, they plant. Now you're understanding why <laughs> the scriptures in Proverbs said it's not wise for a king to drink wine or a prince for to drink small, um, strong drink, brothers and sisters. Because why? Look at the power that's here. Now, are we saying a brother can't have a glass of wine? No, we're not saying that. We're just saying... You have to be cognizant of what your rank and responsibility is and moderate your drinking accordingly. That's wisdom, brothers and sisters. If a man had the power to tell me to go to war, I definitely don't want him drinking. Because <laughs> he could take me from my family. I could lose my life out here. And if he's making this decision while he's inebriated, see? So we're showing you something here, brothers and sisters. It's twofold. We're showing you the power of a king to understand he have complete authority if you're going to live in the kingdom but also we wanted to you know take it back to a few weeks ago when we brought that scripture out because i know a lot of people were confused saying well hold on drinking is not a sin we're not saying it is a sin we're just telling you if you have authority um you have some level of power then you have to be careful with doing anything that's going to change your mindset and clear um take away clarity from your conscience brothers and sisters can you read verse 9 again, brother? First Ezra 4, verse 9. If he command to cut down, they cut down. If he command to plant, they plant. So all his people and his armies obey him. Furthermore, he lieth down. He eateth and drinketh and taketh his rest. And these keep watch round about him. Neither may anyone depart and do his own business. Neither what, brother? Neither may anyone depart and do his own business. Neither disobey they him in anything. Neither they disobey him in anything, brothers and sisters. So what are we showing you here? We're showing that his power is, excuse me, his sovereignty is absolute and unconfined. And his power is, it's irresistible. His will is his law, brothers and sisters. What we just read in First Ezra chapter 4 was the principle 
of wisdom given in terms of a king. You don't disobey the king. So there's going to be rules in a kingdom, brothers and sisters. Where are those rules contained? <laughs> See, now this is hard for Christians. Christians need to understand this because you're not going to come in the kingdom sinning, brothers and sisters. You're not going to come in the kingdom eating pork, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he already told us in Leviticus 11, in, in Leviticus, what? What was clean and what was unclean? You cannot come into live in a kingdom and be disobedient, brothers and sisters. See, we need Christians to understand this. We need all people, but especially Christians who say, you know, you don't have to follow no law. You will not make it into the kingdom of heaven if you don't follow law, brothers and sisters. What are we showing here? We're showing you the power of a king. Why? Because we're learning about the king. Today's lesson is the king and his kingdom, brothers and sisters. Right now, we're focused on the king of the kingdom. We're going to Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, brothers and sisters. We're going back to the gospel here. Neither they disobey him in anything. Matthew 18, verse 3. And said, Verily, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, except, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. See, here he goes again talking about the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? He's telling you that you will not enter if you don't become like a child, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the difference between a child and an adult is a child obeys. Adults, they negotiate, brothers and sisters. So he's saying, listen. Be as a child. Don't negotiate with me. Christians have to understand this. Everybody must understand this, brothers and sisters. The most important principle in a kingdom is obedience, brothers and sisters. But the most difficult word in, you know, democracy, American democracy or American culture is obedience, brothers and sisters. The ideology of democracy is, you know, it fights against obedience. It means everybody gets a say. <laughs> everybody vote on it. You know, argue it, question it. There's no questioning. There's no negotiation. There's no voting in a kingdom. What the king says is what goes. Brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Matthew 18 verse 3. And said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever therefore shall humble him, or whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's key, brothers and sisters. He's making it clear. In order to get into this kingdom, you must humble yourself and become like a child, which means obey me devoid of your opinion. <laughs> no negotiation. You don't negotiate with a king, brothers and sisters. Okay? This, is a, this concept we all must we must understand this. We must grasp this particular concept, especially those who want to question the authority of the Bible, who want to question the authority of certain laws that's in the Bible, brothers and sisters, and say, well, yeah, yeah, that changed because Christ uh, came. Don't work like that, brothers and sisters. You must understand the most high from going forward. The most high wants more obedience and less negotiations from us, brothers and sisters.
We must get in preparation for the kingdom. We must learn how to live in a kingdom now. We must start practicing kingdom behavior now, brothers and sisters. Because unless you become as a child concerning obedience, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We're going to show you why, brothers and sisters. Follow us to the Tanakh. We're going to Isaiah 55 and 11. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It what? It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So brothers and sisters, this is key. The Most High's word will always accomplish what he desires. This is showing us something here, brothers and sisters. The king's word is law. It's not open to debate, for discussion, for challenge, or amendment. It will not return to him void. So if he say no pork, <laughs> he's not going to come in and amend that and say, well, yeah, now you can do it. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, brothers and sisters. There's no negotiating with a king. What he says goes, and you must grasp that concept if you are going to live in a kingdom, brothers and sisters. The most important principle is obedience. Can you read 11 one more time, Brother Corey? Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, it said, but it shall accomplish that which I please. So his word will accomplish what he wants it to and not necessarily what we want it to, brothers and sisters. His word will not return void. It's too powerful, brothers and sisters. It's too powerful. So what you read in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament, in the Torah, it stands today, brothers and sisters. And you have to get with the program in order to live in the kingdom. You can't say, well, yeah, that's Old Testament. We're not under your Old Testament anymore. He just said... <laughs> His word should not return void. So you can't void out the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. What the king says stands. You must understand the qualities of a king. Because even a natural flesh and blood king can't change his word. Remember Daniel? Remember when Daniel was in the den? You know, in the lion's den? The, the, the king tried to change his mind. And he had uh, people around him who said, you can't change your mind. You already made the law. You're the king. You can't do that. You can't go back on your word. And so it was. You must understand the qualities of a king. And see, that's why kings don't talk that much. <laughs> see? That's why kings don't talk that much. Because what they say is law. See? You have to understand that, brothers and sisters. So let's go to Ecclesiasticus, Brother Corey. Uh, chapter 3. We're going to read verse 24, brothers and sisters. Please follow us to your apographers. Ecclesiasticus 3 and 24. For many are deceived by their own vain opinion, and an evil suspicion hath overthrown their judgment. This is critical, brothers and sisters. This is vital that you understand this, because it says, many are deceived by their own opinions, brothers and sisters. And guess what? American democracy encourages us to discuss things, to argue things, to question things. And this is why we have a difficulty living under the Most High, under Christ, under the laws of Moses. Because the majority of us 
were, you know, raised in democracy, born in democracy. A lot of us are from the Western world, especially in America. Democracy, the ideology of it is that you question things, that the, the, the popular <laughs> vote wins. Guess what? There, there is no popular vote in a kingdom. <laughs> the king is the only one who has a vote. And you have to capitulate to that, brothers and sisters. Get this through your, your minds, brothers and sisters, because in order to live in a kingdom, you must understand the qualities of a king. And what he says goes, even if you don't agree, brothers and sisters. So you have to not think so highly of what your opinion is. You can't be that opinionated. I mean, you can have your own opinion, but nevertheless, you have to do what's commanded. That's the same here, brothers and sisters. When you read the scripture, that's what the scripture says, no matter how Brother Corey or I, you know, feel about it. The scripture is what the scripture is, brothers and sisters. And our people, predominantly the children of Israel, must get that, you know, through their heads. Because we think that our agreement is needed. <laughs> the scriptures say don't do this, then don't do this. Doesn't matter what your opinion is. The scriptures say the Sabbath is Saturday, and to observe it, it doesn't matter what my opinion is concerning that. I have to do what? Throw my opinion in the trash and pick up the Sabbath, which is on Saturday. Brothers and sisters. See, we're in preparation here. Let's go to Isaiah 55 and 8, Brother Corey. Going back to Isaiah, brothers and sisters. Let's go there. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Read that one more time. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Brothers and sisters, in a kingdom, you don't negotiate with a king. You don't question the king. You obey the king, brothers and sisters. We have, excuse me, we have, you know, we've been taught to question authority, not to obey it. And that's a problem. Can you read that one more time? Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Mm. He's telling us, brothers and sisters, my disposition and way differ vastly from yours. So he's, you know, the Most High is infinitely wise, working from a vantage point we can't even comprehend, brothers and sisters. It says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. His view, his, his view is clear, brothers and sisters. His view is clear. So you have to understand this. You don't negotiate with the king. What the king says goes. If you can't, you know, if you can't acquiesce to that, then you can't make it into the kingdom. You can't become a citizen of his kingdom because you have to question everything. Let's go to Daniel 4 and 35, brothers and sisters. Please follow us here. <coughs> Daniel 4 and 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Can you read that again? And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. We are regarded as nothing in comparison to the Most High. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand. We're saying to him, what doest thou? <laughs> Brothers and sisters. <laughs> He will accomplish his design in all things, no matter what dispute man may have. Brothers and sisters, it says, and none can stay his hand 
or saying to him, what doest thou? See, you don't question the king, brothers and sisters. He will overrule all things so as to make them subservient to his own purpose. You must understand the king, brothers and sisters. He does his own pleasure. See, we have to get this through our, you know, we must understand this concept, brothers and sisters. Because we've been taught a, a candy cane God, a sugar daddy God, Santa Claus God that just, you know, give you what you want. <laughs> we have misconstrued who God really is, brothers and sisters. And it's about time that we give him his proper respect. See, our people in the Bible, they understood how serious it was. But we're far removed from that, brothers and sisters, especially our people who've been broken you know, uh, emotionally, spiritually through slavery. We don't understand the reverence and honor that is due to a king, our king, brothers and sisters. The whole, uh, you know, the, the entire Gentile nations are to learn the reverence and honor from us, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? Daniel 4 and 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. He does what he wants. It says he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. So in heaven, he does what he wants <laughs> and among the earth. So he's saying, listen, the army of heaven, which are angels, they do what I tell me, tell them to do. And among the inhabitants of earth, which is man and woman, they're going to do what I say. <laughs> so this is crystal clear, brothers and sisters. And you don't have any business questioning a king, brothers and sisters. His word is final, brothers and sisters. doesn't matter if you understand it or not. only thing you have to comprehend is what he's telling you. You don't have to comprehend why he's telling you, brothers and sisters. We all have to do what? Humble ourselves, like he said, become as little children. See, that's humbling. See, if somebody had, you know, if somebody can't do something without them understanding it, it's going to be a problem in the kingdom. Because you won't do anything you don't understand or agree with. That's going to be a problem, brothers and sisters. That's going to be a problem. Whether you understand it or not, if he says, bow, you bow. If he says, stand, you stand, brothers and sisters. Those are going to be the citizens of his kingdom, brothers and sisters. The king and his kingdom. Let's go to Psalms, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Psalms, please. We're going to read chapter 145. Chapter 145, we're going to read 10 through 13, brothers and sisters. Psalms 145, verse 10. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. The saints should bless him. Who are the saints, brothers and sisters? The saints are the children of Israel, those who made a covenant by sacrifice. Verse 11. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom. They shall what? Speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. This says the glory of his kingdom, brothers and sisters. So we are to speak of his reign, of his great principles, of his government and laws, brothers and sisters. Verse 12. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts. Now that's key, brothers and sisters, because if anybody is supposed to, you know, know what the kingdom is, how it operates, it's the children of Israel. It's the saints. That's why we're going into this series, because our people don't understand the kingdom. 
We think it's some nebulous, mystical, <laughs> you know, palace that's going to fall out of the sky. So, we're, you know, we're going into this series to use the Bible to do what? To teach us uh, the concepts and how a kingdom operates, brothers and sisters, so we can have clarity and then make it known to the sons of men. We're going to read verse 10, uh, 11 one more time. Psalms 145, verse 11. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. So the praise of his glory belongs in all of his creatures. Verse 12. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts. And the glorious majesty of his kingdom. And the glorious majesty of his kingdom, brothers and sisters. So we are to acknowledge and pay homage to his royal prerogative, brothers and sisters. These glorious deeds ought to be known to all mankind. Now, how can you speak of or make known his mighty acts or the glorious majesty of his kingdom if you don't understand the kingdom, brothers and sisters? See? Can you read verse 13, brother? Verse 13, thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. See, now that's key. It's a everlasting kingdom, brothers and sisters. So the scriptures we just read is what? It's a call for a declaration of his glory, brothers and sisters. We're going into his kingdom for his glory, brothers and sisters. He wants us to understand how his kingdom operates so we can make a concerted effort to do what? To behave in a way which will gain us citizenship, brothers and sisters. We don't understand most people, especially if you grew up in Babylon in America, we don't understand how a theocracy operates or a monarchy. We're used to democracy. That's all we've ever known. Democracy means, uh, you know, challenge everything, question everything. If a hundred people say yay and one person says no, then you go with what the hundred people say. It don't work like that <laughs> in this kingdom. It doesn't matter how many people vote one way or another. The king's word is final, brothers and sisters. We already discussed who the king is. The Most High is the king of all the earth, brothers and sisters. He's the king of the universe, brothers and sisters. Now, we're going to talk about some concepts of a king now. We've already utilized the Bible to show you who the king was, right? Now we need to show you how to understand how a king operates, brothers and sisters. Because you must understand the king in order to live in his kingdom, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Job 41. We're going to have Brother Corey read Job 41 and 11. Job 41 verse 11. Now, brothers and sisters, the concept that we're showing is that the Most High, the King, owns everything in his kingdom. Verse 11. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. <laughs> Can you read verse 11 one more time, brother? Job 41 and 11. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Brothers and sisters, he's saying, who's done me a favor that I need repay him? <laughs> See, you need to understand our God. You need to understand our God, brothers and sisters. <laughs> you need to really understand how cool and smooth <laughs> our God is. He's like, listen, <laughs> no one has done me a favor in which I need to repay him. 
I own everything. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 11. Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Whatsoever under the whole heaven is mine. So all under the heavens is his property, brothers and sisters. This is a claim to the proprietorship. Excuse me. This is the a claim to the proprietorship of all created things. <laughs> everything. It says whatsoever is under the whole heaven. Everything, brothers and sisters. All things are made by him and are his property at his disposal. This is how it works in a kingdom, brothers and sisters. See, everything in the kingdom in his territory belongs to him. What is the most highest territory? The whole earth. That's why he said, listen, who have done me a favor that I should repay him? So if you've, you know, given us some tithes or, you, you know, you've done something for the most high He's like, I own everything. <laughs> okay? I own everything. I'm letting you borrow that house. I'm letting you borrow that car. I'm letting you borrow that money. I'm letting you borrow that job and business. This is key, brothers and sisters. We must understand lordship or ownership in a theocracy or in a monarchy. The king owns everything in his territory. Brothers and sisters. We're going to prove that. Let's go to Haggai, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters. What we're breaking down is what? What are we breaking down, brothers and sisters? We're breaking down the fact that a king owns everything in his territory. <clears throat> Haggai 2, verse 8. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, said the Lord of hosts. See, silver and gold, brothers and sisters, are symbolic of everything of value. When it says the silver is mine, the gold is mine. So right here, the scripture is emphasizing the most high's ownership of everything. Therefore, he can make all the treasures of the world to serve his purpose. Brothers and sisters. See, you have to understand this if you're going to live in his kingdom. Brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time? Haggai 2 and 8. The silver is mine. And the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Understand this, brothers and sisters. So not only does the Most High own everything, but he determines how much of his wealth he will entrust to us. So guess what? How we handle money and possessions demonstrates who we really believe is their true owner, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we are simply caretakers of the Most High's assets, brothers and sisters. See? If, if you can't depart with money or whatever the case, use your car in a way that benefits him or use your house or use your money or whatever the case is, whatever he's telling you to do, brothers and sisters, you actually believe you're the owner. You think that's your money. You actually think that's your car. And it's not. <laughs> See, he's saying if I lend you something, you utilize it as I say. So you must understand that, brothers and sisters, anything in a kingdom, uh, in a king's territory belongs to him. How do we know? This is no different from a kingdom, an earthly kingdom. How do we know this, brothers and sisters? How do we know that everything in a territory of a king belongs to a king? Let's go to Matthew 22 and show you how it operated in the Roman kingdom. To show you. Let's show you the correlation here, brothers and sisters, because you must understand 
how a kingdom operates in order to live in a kingdom. We're going to read Matthew 22 and 15. We're going to read 15 through 21. Examine this closely, brothers and sisters. Matthew 22 and 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. See, now that's another thing. People sometimes will ask you questions, maybe on your job or whatever the case may be, just to entangle you, brothers and sisters. So don't think it's your obligation to answer every question. Okay, brothers and sisters, if you feel that the spirit is not right, you can say, well, listen, brother, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with that, man. It's not the right time, man. You know, maybe another time, but I don't have to answer every question to when I was just be, beginning in the truth, brothers and sisters. I believe it was my obligation to answer every question for everyone because I didn't realize what I didn't realize that everybody's not asking for the proper reasons. Some people just want to show others that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they just want to show you as a fool before other people. Everybody's not asking you questions because they want to, you know, genuinely know, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Matthew 22 and 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teacheth the way of God in truth. Neither careth thou for any man, for thou regardeth not the person of men. Now, look at this, brothers and sisters. It says the Pharisees wanted to catch him up in his speech. Look who they sent. <laughs> they sent the Herodians. Who are the Herodians, brothers and sisters? To show you that the Pharisees were working with Edom. <laughs> the Herodians are who? Herod the Great. See, the Pharisees were working with the Herodians. Why? Because most of the Pharisees were Edomites at this time, brothers and sisters. A lot of them, especially in the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, 98% were Edomites, brothers and sisters. So you had the Pharisees working in conjunction with Edom. Can you read 16 one more time, brother? Verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teacheth the way of God in truth. Neither careth thou for any man, for thou regardeth not the person of men. So they look to flatter him, brothers and sisters. Verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinketh thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? So is it lawful to pay taxes? But Christ perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and subscription or superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. They said what? Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When you live in a kingdom, everything belongs to the king. And Christ understood that. He said, let me see that. Let me, let me see that shepherd. Let me see the money. Whose face is this? Give it to him. <laughs> Why? Because everything in a king's territory belongs to a king. And Christ understood this, brothers and sisters. At this time, we were taken down by the Romans. So the Romans owned everything, brothers and sisters. See? Caesar was the king. He said, let me see that money. Whose face is this? Okay, give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's to show you that the money belonged to the king. 
See, that's why he said the gold, the silver is mine. He owns everything. And now you're seeing why it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. <laughs> now you understand why. Because that rich man, everything that that rich man have now accumulated belongs to the king. See, now you understand the young rich man, brothers and sisters, and why he walked away sorrowful when, when Christ said, sell everything you have. <laughs> sell everything you have and follow me. Why? Because if Christ is the king, from obtaining authority from the, you know, the king of kings, which is the most high, then listen, sell everything you have. Give it away. <laughs> See, you have to do that. Why? Because it's the king's. If he tell you to sell it, then he can definitely give you more. See, we just wanted to show you that Christ understood how it operates in the kingdom. Give unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give unto the most high the things that are his. Caesar was the king. The money belonged to him, brothers and sisters. To show you the way it operates in the heavenly kingdom is the same way it operates in the earthly kingdom. So you must understand how an earthly kingdom operates, brothers and sisters. Everything in a kingdom belongs to the king. Further proof. We're going to go to Psalms 50 and 10, brothers and sisters. Psalms chapter 50. We're going to read verse 10, brothers and sisters. Psalm 50, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry... I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, see, this is the God you need to get to know. <laughs> the Most High is the great proprietor. He's the great proprietary, brothers and sisters, and all is his by primitive right. He said, listen, I own the birds, I own the forest, I own the beasts. <laughs> and if I was hungry, I wouldn't need to tell you because everything belongs to me. <laughs> See, this is the God we have to get to know, brothers and sisters. Everything that exists belongs to the Most High, and He has the right to keep everything for Himself. He's not obligated to give us anything, brothers and sisters. It's all His. That's why He said you must humble yourself and come as a little child. See, brothers and sisters, this is the respect that is due to the King, to the King of Kings, brothers and sisters. We need you to get that you know, uh, and process that, brothers and sisters. Process that. Everything belongs to the king. And that should help us, brothers and sisters, as we operate with the things that the Most High have blessed us with or the things that he's asking us to do. Whatever you have does not belong to you. It belongs to him. So however he tell you to utilize that resource, whether it's your car to, to pick somebody up and take them to work for a week or, or you know, your house to, to have a brother, you know, stay with you for a week or two or some money to give to the homeless brother on the corner. You're just the steward. You're not the owner. You must understand that you must acquiesce to that particular. Con, uh, you must acquiesce to that particular concept if you're going to live and operate in his kingdom, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew, brethren, 6 and 33. Follow us to the gospel, brothers and sisters. Matthew 6 and 33. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now this is key. Because God's kingdom and his righteousness are the very top priorities in all of life. This scripture didn't say seek ye first Calvary. Seek ye first Christ. It didn't say that. It said seek ye first the kingdom. Why? Because if you seek the kingdom it will lead you to Christ. See? So he's showing you how to be an effective fisher, brothers and sisters. This is how you have to follow the blueprint that our God have laid before us, brothers and sisters. We always want to do it our own way. He's saying, listen, you can have a hard life or an easy life. If you want an easy life, do this. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So our focus should be towards the end result, brothers and sisters. But something is key here that I don't want to miss. We're going to read. We're going to jump up to 27 and read straight through. Matthew 6 and 27. Which of you by talking or taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? So which one of us can grow taller <laughs> based on thinking about it? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. So it's raiment is clothing, brothers and sisters. It's telling you, listen, I dress the lilies of the field. Verse 29. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Mm. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What we shall eat, or what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Now notice something, brothers and sisters. He dealt with the reason why you get up and go to work. Food. He know that everybody want to, you know, eat good food. He knows that everyone want to dress nicely. He knows this, brothers and sisters. He created us. You think he don't know <laughs> what we look for? The reason you wake up in the morning and go to work is for what? So you can feed your family. So you can put clothes on you and your family's back. He understands this. That's the whole motivation of life, brothers and sisters. It appears if you're dealing with it from a Gentile perspective. How do we know? Read 32 one more time, brother. Verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. And all what? These things shall be added unto things. you. Things. The Most High knows we want things, brothers and sisters. He knows this. It says your father knoweth what you have need of. What you need to do is don't ask me. <laughs> He's saying, listen, you don't need to tell me what you need. What you need to do is listen. See, I know what you want. So that's an indication of how our prayer life should be, brothers and sisters. Our prayer life should be less talking and more listening. Because he knows what you need. What you're trying to do is hear the voice of the king. See, if a king, if a king talked to you, you in good shape, brothers and sisters. Remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah just did what? He just served drinks all day in the kingdom, brothers and sisters. He just wanted the king to ask him. King asked him, Nehemiah, 
Seems like you're down. What's going on? He said, well, listen, my people are being destroyed. The city is torn down. (laughs) And the king allowed him to go build. See, if the king is speaking to you, brothers and sisters, you are in good shape. So we have to do more listening. Because most of our prayers is just, Father, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you give me this? Can you give me that? He's like, if you be quiet, I can tell you what you need to know to get what you want. Usually all we do is ask for what we want and then get up and go on about our day. So most of the prayer, you know, at least 50% should just be quiet listening, which is meditation. See? And allow him to speak to you. Allow him to guide you. Because guess what? If you start your day off after the, <coughs> after the king has spoken to you, what a great day. <laughs> what a great day, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the king and his kingdom, brothers and sisters. We utilize those scriptures to show what? The most high, the king of the earth owns everything, brothers and sisters. Owns everything. Brothers and sisters, please follow us to Matthew chapter 21. Uh, We're going to read the first two chapters, brothers and sisters. Matthew, excuse me, the first two verses. Matthew 21, verse 1 and 2. Matthew 21, verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Christ two disciples, saying unto them. Saying what? Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a coat with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Now there's a couple things working here, brothers and sisters. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, look at what's transpiring in the text here, brothers and sisters. Could you read two again? Verse two, saying unto them, go into the village over against you and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. Now, that's key, brothers and sisters, because if you're seeking the kingdom first, then all these things shall be added unto you. (laughs) They didn't have an ass and coat with them. He said, Mm -hmm. go here and find it. And then if somebody asks you about it, what does it say? Verse 3, brother. Verse 3. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Brothers and sisters, the king is owner of everything and therefore can give you whatever is needed when he sees fit. So whatever God requires, he provides, brothers and sisters. What you have to notice here, though, is the word Lord. It means owner. It says the Lord or the owner have need of them and straightway he will send them. Brothers and sisters, landlord means what? (laughs) If you have a landlord because you're renting a space, right? The house, the landlord is the owner, brothers and sisters. So he's telling you, I own everything so I can give you anything. You do what I say. You seek first the kingdom and I can give you anything you need. I can have someone else give it to you. Why? Because I'm the king. (laughs) See, that's why he didn't tell, you know, Abraham, well, listen, you're going to have all these people in the land when you go. I don't care who's in the land. I gave it to you. <laughs> See, that's how the king worked, brothers and sisters. You can go in to get a new car. You walk in, you give them your information, social security number, and they can say, well, nah, 
Nah, you credit. Nah. Nah, we ain't going to be able to do it. And the king can walk in and say, you're going to give him that car for free. <laughs> and guess what they're going to do? They're going to say, okay, yes, sir. See, that's how it works in a theocracy. That's how it works in a monarch. The king can overrule everything, brothers and sisters. And you need to understand that if you're going to operate in this kingdom. He's saying, seek ye first the kingdom. I can tell you to go up the street, turn to the left, and you'll have everything you need. And if somebody asks you about it, tell them, listen, the owner said it's mine. <laughs> See, brothers and sisters, you have to, you have to get this. You have to, you have to get this understanding here if you're going to operate in the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. All this other stuff will be added. It'll be on the road when you need it. I'll make sure you have it. Further proof. Let's go to Matthew 26, Brother Corey. Just further proof of this. We're going to read verse 17 and 18, brother. Matthew 26 and 17. Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Christ, saying unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? Where are we going to eat the Passover? Because Christ don't have a house. And he said, Go into the city to such a man, and say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. Listen, he didn't ask. He told him. <laughs> he, he told him, Listen, uh, you know, Christ said, <laughs> The master said, We're going to come over here and have a feast for the Passover, brother. That's not a question. <laughs> okay, so he's telling you, listen, brothers and sisters, I will give you what you need when you need it. Christ didn't even have a house, brothers and sisters. So what, what's being shown here is he will provide all the means necessary in order for us to obey his commands and carry out his plans. Brothers and sisters, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Workman is worth his hire. I'll provide that because in a kingdom, the king is responsible for his citizens. Brothers and sisters, see, Christ didn't even have a house. He's like, listen, I don't need a house because I can come to your house and eat there. <laughs> Wherever I go is my house. Wherever I lay my hat is my home. <laughs> see, brothers and sisters, this is how it operates in the king. This is the power of the king. I own everything. Therefore, I own that house that this brother's in. So when I tell him to allow you to stay there, <laughs> he has no he has no option. Because it's my house. See, brothers and sisters, the king owns everything in his territory. So if you're going to live in his kingdom, you must understand that everything you have belongs to him, brothers and sisters. And you ought to utilize it as such, brothers and sisters. That's including me. That is including me, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 11 and 21, Brother Corey. We're going to the Apographer. Brothers and sisters, and today's lesson is what? The king and his kingdom. The first installment in our series on the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Ecclesiasticus 11 and 21. Ecclesiasticus 11 verse 21. Marvel not at the works of sinners, but trust in the Lord and abide in thy labor. For it is an easy thing in the sight of the Lord on the sudden to make a poor man rich. For it is what, brother? It is an easy thing in the sight of the Lord on the sudden to make a poor man rich. Look at that. Things people have to work hard for, he can give you overnight. It's an easy thing for the Most High, the owner, <laughs> to on the sudden make a poor man rich. He's like, listen, 
<laughs> you please me, I'll give it to you overnight. What most people work 20, 30, 40 years for, he's saying, I can give you that in the instant, in the blink of an eye. See, brothers and sisters, seek ye first the kingdom. Please me. If you please me, I'll make sure you're taken care of, brothers and sisters. You have to look at favor. You want the favor of a king. We're going to show you what the favor of a king gets you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Mark 6 and 21 to show you something here. We're going to Mark in the gospel. Um, chapter 6, we're going to read verse 21 through 23. Mark 6, verse 21. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. Now here we go. It's Herod's birthday, brothers and sisters. Verse 22. And when the daughter of the said Herod, Herod, Herod how do you say her name? Herodias. Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him. They said unto the damsel, ask of me whatsoever thou wilt. And I will give it thee. Look at this clearly, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 22. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel. What did he say, brother? Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he swore unto her, whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. <laughs> Look at this. Hurrah's the king, brothers and sisters. Did you see what just transpired here? There's a point we're trying to make because whenever the king makes a demand of you, you're in splendid position. Why? He already has preparation for reciprocation in his mind, brothers and sisters. See, if you just find his favor, this young woman came in and pleased the king. He said, I will give you anything you want up to half of my kingdom. Look at that, brothers and sisters. See? If you can just find his favor, just find the king's favor, brothers and sisters. So when he says, seek ye first the kingdom, <laughs> if he asks you to do something, brothers and sisters, he's already have in his mind a way in which he can reciprocate for you, brothers and sisters, because he's a king. See, you have to understand the qualities here. This young girl came in and danced for him, pleased him. Now, we know the story. She ended up asking for the, the head of John the Baptist, which he really didn't want to do because he, he, he respected John the Baptist. But guess what? A king can't break his word. <laughs> king can break his word. You understand, brothers and sisters? So there's, from this Mark chapter 6 alone, there's a lot of qualities here, brothers and sisters. Number one, if the king asks you to, or demand of you something, rather, if he demand of something, from you, guess what? He's already looking to reciprocate, brothers and sisters. See, this young girl pleased her eye. He said, I will give you half of my kingdom. <laughs> I will give you half of my kingdom. See? So you have to understand that when the Most High say sacrifice something or do something and you do it, he's going to pay you back, brothers and sisters. Because that's why he asked. See? Let's go to Psalm 1611, brothers and sisters, because we want to find the favor of the Most High. Psalms 16 and 11. 
Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. Thou wilt, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy what? In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Brothers and sisters, the psalmist understood what many of us do not. It is useless to pray that God grant happiness through anything or anyone other than himself. Brothers and sisters, the pleasure of his presence. <laughs> See? Guess what? You can only find joy in his presence, brothers and sisters. So we must utilize biblical literature to learn how to attract and act in the presence of a king. Brothers and sisters, see, that's where the joy is, is in his presence. So whatever you're looking for, you're praying for, thinking it's going to bring you joy, you're incorrect. The only joy is in his presence. Brothers and sisters, you want to get in the presence of the king, brothers and sisters. So what are we going to do? We're going to exploit the Bible to train us in royal etiquette, brothers and sisters. How to find favor from the king. Because why? Harad said, listen, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. See, you're looking to please the king. You're looking to have his favor. When he demands something of you, he will reciprocate, brothers and sisters. Just ask Abraham. He asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, which he just, that was just a test to see if he would. And guess what? He made promises to Abraham of rulership, not just to Abraham, but his children. Who are his children? Us. So there was a promise that he made to our father that still hasn't been fully fulfilled yet. <laughs> that his children's children's children are going to benefit from. The most I never make a demand of you without being, without being willing and ready to reciprocate something for you, brothers and sisters. Now, we're going to show you. It says there's joy in his presence. So let's talk about how to get in the king's presence or how to come in his presence. Brothers and sisters, we're going to Psalms 95, verse 2. Talking about being in the presence of a king. Psalms 95, verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. Brothers and sisters, never come into his company without praise. Your presence must be accompanied by praise. When you come into the, you know, the presence of the Most High, you praise Him. So even in prayer, brothers and sisters, the first thing you do is you praise Him. You tell Him how marvelous He is, how wise He is, how good He is, how His mercy endure forever first. Brothers and sisters, how do we know? Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 2. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. There it is. See, that's how you come into the presence of a king. Come with the sacrifice of praise, brothers and sisters. It's telling us, let's come with celebration, thanksgiving, and gratitude to honor the king. It's showing you how to, how to operate or how to behave in his presence. How to please him. How to gain his favor, brothers and sisters. This is how you come into his presence, brothers and sisters. With praise and thanksgiving. You don't just come in asking for something, brothers and sisters. We're going to jump to Psalms 96 and 8. Just one chapter over, brothers and sisters. Psalms 96, verse 8. 
Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Can you read that again? Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Do what? Bring an offering and come into his court. Now this is key, brothers and sisters. It's showing you how to operate in the presence of a king. Now historically, a gift or present was expected for anyone coming before a king or royalty. Brothers and sisters. See? So not only were you to praise him, <laughs> you were to bring an offering to him, brothers and sisters. This is showing you something here. You don't come in the presence of a king without a gift for the king, brothers and sisters. Now you need to understand this if you're going to live in his kingdom, brothers and sisters. See, you never come empty handed before the king. This is, this is history here, brothers and sisters. This is culture here. Now, of course, we don't understand this because we're born in a democracy. We're born in a, you know, in a democracy where there is no king, where everybody is, you know, equal here. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, we vote on what we think is right. And if the popular vote doesn't agree, then don't work like that, brothers and sisters. Here we're showing you the honor and glory due to the king, the great I am, brothers and sisters. When you come into his presence, you bring an offering. See, now Christians, what they've done is they flipped this and said, you give us money every time you see us. <laughs> see, this is what they do. They just manipulate scriptures to get money, brothers and sisters. We're showing you when you come in the presence of a king, you do what? You praise him. You thank him. You give him an offering, brothers and sisters. Sometimes that offering is what? Just praise. But we're showing you something historically here, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalms 76 and 11. Look at this, brothers and sisters. We're teaching you something about the presence of a king. How to operate in his presence. Psalms 76, verse 11. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him Bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. See? This is protocol of presenting a gift. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is protocol, brothers and sisters, that you present a gift to the king. And guess what? It's a principle of the kingdom. <laughs> this particular scripture here reflects a kingdom principle here, brothers and sisters. See? When you come into his presence, you bring him gifts, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Psalm 76, verse 11. Bow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presents unto him that ought to be feared. Now, we couldn't understand this, brothers and sisters, because we've never learned this. We don't know how it is to be in a kingdom. But what you're reading here is the protocol of presenting a gift actually reflects a principle that will be utilized in the kingdom of heaven, brothers and sisters. And this was historical. This is not just in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to show you historically all throughout the Bible, this was understood. This was royal etiquette, brothers and sisters. This was royal procedure. The explanation was to have something valuable in hand to present, to pay a proper respect and to de demonstrate humility, brothers and sisters. When you come into the presence of a king, we are never to come empty handed before our king, brothers and sisters. 
Never. We're going to go back in history to, sh to show you this, brothers and sisters. Let's go to 1 Kings 4 and 21 during the time of Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 21. 1 Kings 4 and 21. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river unto the land of the Philistines and unto the border of Egypt. They brought presents. They did what? They brought presents. And served Solomon all the days of his life. Look at this, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Look at this. See, they understood royal etiquette. Can you read that one more time, Brother Corey? First Kings 4 and 21. And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river unto the land of the Philistines and unto the border of Egypt. They brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. No one in those days would dare think of approaching an all-powerful king or monarch empty-handed, brothers and sisters. For people to come empty-handed before the reigning king was to demonstrate the utmost defiance, brothers and sisters. So this is key. We need to understand this if you're going to operate in his kingdom, brothers and sisters. You must understand this. You never come before the king empty-handed. Brothers and sisters. See? Further proof. We're going to go to 1 Kings 10 and 1. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. 1 Kings 10, verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a great train, with camels, that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in his heart. So when she came to Solomon, the queen of Sheba, she had, it says, a great train of camels, spices, gold, and precious stones. What you're getting ready to read here is that royal protocol requires that a gift must be presented when visiting a king. How do we know? We're going to jump to verse 10. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Verse 10, and she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold. Now she was a queen. And of spices very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Are you reading this here, brothers and sisters? She presented him with, can you read that one more time? Verse 10, and she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold. And of spices, very, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Look at this, brothers and sisters. She understood royal etiquette. We don't, brothers and sisters, because we've been made slaves. We've, our heritage, our Hebraic culture have been um, ripped from us and hidden, brothers and sisters. And here, right now, we're learning the proper royal etiquette. Of being in the presence of a king, brothers and sisters, how to gain his favor, brothers and sisters. Now, something key here that we cannot miss is verse 13. First Kings 10 and 13. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country. She and her servants. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Giving to a king places a demand on his wealth. Because a king cannot allow himself to be outgiven. 
See, that's why when Harad was pleased, that's what we're saying, brothers and sisters, you see? If you please him, if you find his favor, brothers and sisters, look at what just transpired here. Can you read 13 one more time, brother? Verse 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 13. Verse, excuse me. Yes. Verse 13. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire. Whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty, she turned and went to her own country, at her and her servants. Look at this, brothers and sisters. Solomon gave her all that she desired. <laughs> brothers and sisters, out of his royal bounty. See? Now you're understanding how kingship operates. Whatever he receives as a gift, he must return in multiplied form, brothers and sisters. See? And the king of heaven operates in this same manner, brothers and sisters. When we give to him, when we give to him, brothers and sisters, he responds in kind, but in much greater measure, brothers and sisters. See? When we give to the king, it begets giving back to us because our generosity attracts the king's wealth to us. Now you're understanding, brothers and sisters. Giving to the king attracts his wealth because he's a giver and is attracted to those who share a like spirit, brothers and sisters. Now you're understanding. Queen Sheba came, humbled herself, brought him, you know, spices, gold, and he gave her 50 times what she gave, brothers and sisters. Now you're understanding how a kingship works, brothers and sisters. Now you're understanding the honor and respect that is due to a king as great as ours, brothers and sisters. And see, it was reciprocated. <laughs> when the king received something, he was obligated. He felt obligated to outdo you because he's the king. And the most important thing is his glory, brothers and sisters. He can't undergive you because that makes a king look bad. <laughs> see? Let's jump to Ecclesiasticus 35 and 4, brother. We're going to the Apocrypha, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 35, verse 4. Ecclesiasticus 35, verse 4. Thou shalt not appear empty before the Lord. Read that one more time. Thou shalt not appear empty before the Lord. See, there are many passages Brothers and sisters, warning the men of Israel about not coming before the Lord empty-handed. So historically, we were never to approach him with nothing, especially on these holy days. Go back and read it again, brothers and sisters. Go read Leviticus. Go read the law again, brothers and sisters. We were not supposed to come before him empty-handed, especially on holy days, brothers and sisters. Now, guess what? Worse than approaching a king with no gift is to bring a gift unworthy of them, brothers and sisters. You have to understand that. Because why? You have some people who do the bare minimum. and say, I just give something just to say I gave it. We're going to show you. Worse than approaching him with no gift is to give him a gift that's unworthy of him. And we're going to use the scripture to illustrate that. We're going to go to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 10, brothers and sisters. Now, we've already established what? When you come into his presence, <clears throat> you bring an offering, you bring some level of a gift. Because guess what? The most high, sometimes when he tells you to give up something, brothers and sisters, he's like, I'm trying to get rid of some stuff, but you first have to <laughs> initiate this. See? 
you please him, you find his favor, brothers and sisters, and he will he will bless you. But you have to initiate it first. You come into his presence, you give him something, you you honor him, you respect him, brothers and sisters. And now we're going to show you an indication that everything is not acceptable to the Most High, brothers and sisters. We're going to read Leviticus 1 and 10. Leviticus 1 verse 10. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats for a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring it a male without blemish. He shall what, brother? He shall bring it a male without blemish. Brothers and sisters, the law stipulated that only spotless, unblemished, unflawed animals could be offered in sacrifice. Now, this is key, brothers and sisters. See, this is key. The people were given a gift to the king and their gift had to be worthy of him. See? So even on a holy day, brothers and sisters, or whatever it is that you're sacrificing or giving him, it must be worthy of him. You don't just throw something together and give it to him to say you gave something. That's even more disrespectful than not giving anything at all, brothers and sisters. And guess what? Our people was doing this. Our people was bringing uh, blind, <laughs> blind lambs, lamb with broken legs, all types of stuff. They like, get that. Listen, is this what you think of me? Is this what you think I'm worthy of? He said, find the best and you give that to me. The first fruits. You give me the first, not the last, not whatever you have left over. You give me first. Because why? I'm the owner of it and I gave it to you. <laughs> Can you read that one more time, brother? Leviticus 1 and 10. And if his offering be of the flocks, namely of the sheep or of the goats, for a burnt sacrifice... He shall bring it a male without blemish. So, brothers and sisters, any sacrifice is not deemed acceptable and worthy of our king's honor. Enter each time with an appropriate offering, brothers and sisters. That's key. That's vital. That's critical, brothers and sisters. Everything is not worthy of him, brothers and sisters. See, the quality of what your gift or, or offering or whatever it is that you're doing for him does matter. He's the king, brothers and sisters. We have to stop trying to get by on, you know, by doing the least that we can do just to say I did something. That's disrespectful to the king. We must learn how to honor the king, how to respect the king, how to reverence the king, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Leviticus 22 and 19, brother Corey. Leviticus 22 and 19, brothers and sisters. Leviticus. 22 and 19. Ye shall offer at your own will a male without blemish of the bees or of the sheep or of the goats. But whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall ye not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. Look at that. It shall not be acceptable for you to show you there's some things that are unacceptable, brothers and sisters. An inappropriate or inadequate gift amounts to an insult to the king, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it shows that the giver doesn't, excuse me, it shows that the giver does not properly respect the king or his authority, brothers and sisters. The Most High despises those who devalue his worth, brothers and sisters. Now, guess what? If you have a wife or girlfriend, <laughs> right, or, or a husband, there's a certain gift you're not going to give. Is, am I right? It could be, well, let's say it's your anniversary or something. You're going to come in there with a bubblegum ring in there from the 25 cent store? Exactly. Exactly. 
or you're giving something on a birthday or something or whatever the case people do or prim gift, you're going to go get some shoes from the dollar store? Exactly. Exactly. So she or he is worth more, but the most high is not? Exactly. If that woman would take that as disrespect, you giving her some shoes on, on a, you know, from the dollar store? <laughs> she like, what? Is this what you think I'm worth? I'd rather you give me nothing. <laughs> See? Same way with the most high, brothers and sisters. That which we offer, it reveals the value or worthiness we attach to them, brothers and sisters. This is why he was saying, whatsoever hath a blemish, you shall not offer. It is not acceptable. Because why? He's worthy of more, brothers and sisters. So if you're going to do something, you do the best, brothers and sisters. If you're doing something for the Most High, in the name of the Most High, you do the best that you can, brothers and sisters. You don't give them what's left over, brothers and sisters. You try to give the best that you can because that's what he's worthy of, brothers and sisters. Now, we're going to go to 2 Samuel 24 and 20 because there's another concept. We're almost done. We're wrapping it up here, brothers and sisters. But there's another concept of giving to a king that must be understood if we're going to dwell in his presence, brothers and sisters. We're going to 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 20. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. 2 Samuel 24 and 20. Now, now, let me give you some concepts, I mean, some, uh, some background here, brothers and sisters, some context, rather. David is looking to build a altar for the Most High because of his sin and a plague, a sickness broke out amongst our people. So he's looking to do something for the Most High, and that's where we pick up here, brothers and sisters. 2 Samuel 24, verse 20. And Arona looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. Yep. And Arona went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. Now, what king are we speaking of? We're speaking of King David. King David set out to build an altar for the Most High. So he sought to buy a, a what you call a threshing floor owned by a man named Arona as the site, brothers and sisters. So near here, Arana is now seeing David, and he did what, brother? Can you read that again? Verse 20. And Arana looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arana went out and bowed himself before the king on his face upon the ground. And Arana said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee. To do what? To buy the threshing floor of thee. To build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the from the people. See, so there was a plague that was transpiring based on David's sin. So he was looking to build an altar for the Most High. Verse 22. And Arana said unto David, Let my Lord the King take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. And all these things did Arana as a king give unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. Now look at what's going on here, brothers and sisters. Arana graciously offered to give the threshing floor to David free of charge. 
So look at what's going on here. He's like, listen, you can take everything I have here, okay? Threshing instruments, the oxen for the wood, the burks, everything. You can take it all. Can you read 22 again, brother? Verse 22. And the Rana said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice, and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. And these things that Arana, as a king, given to the king, and Arana said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. And the king said unto Arana, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Read that again, brother, please. Verse 24, And the king said unto Arana, David said what? Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, of that which doth cost me nothing. Read that again, brother. And neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. <laughs> Look at this, brothers and sisters. The principle learned here is give a gift to the king that is worthy of him. Don't offer him something that costs you nothing. <laughs> See, David said, no, I reject you giving this to me for free. I need to sacrifice something that costs me. See, the value of a thing is placed on it based on what you're willing, excuse me, what you're willing to sacrifice for it, brothers and sisters. See, so he wanted to sacrifice something for the Most High. He's like, listen, I'm going to go buy this altar and sacrifice to the Most High. How am I going to sacrifice something that costs me nothing? That's not a sacrifice, brothers and sisters. You, you, now you're understanding something here, brothers and sisters. You're understanding what the king is worthy of, brothers and sisters. The honor, the double honor, rather, brothers and sisters. He's saying, you don't give my God something that costs nothing. How is that a sacrifice? Now, I need our people to understand this. This is showing you. You can't be like Cain and just give him what you want to give him different. But to say you, you did something. David was showing you his level of respect and honor towards the king. I could give him this, you know. Listen, I can keep my money in my pocket. It's all the same. He's like, no, I want to sacrifice. I want to do that for my God. I want to inconvenience myself for my God. I need brothers and sisters to examine that and understand that. Put that away in your mind, brothers and sisters. He wants you to... To sacrifice something. He want to cost you. He's want, he wants to see what you'll give up for him. That's what he's looking for. Guess what, brothers and sisters? If Brother Corey is having a yard sale, garage sale, and he has a blender, or you know, he has a DVD player and a blender that he's selling, I come up to the brother and say, listen, I'll give you nothing for that. <laughs> That's a sign of disrespect. Because why? I don't think it's worth anything. So I'll give you nothing for it. See, brothers and sisters, something, the value of something is determined by what you're willing to part with to obtain it. David is making something crystal clear here. He's illustrating the principle that you give the Most High something that costs you. He could have easily said, okay, yeah, thanks, brother, for the threshing floor. Thanks for, you know, all this stuff. I'm good. Now let me go build it to my God. No, he's like, I'm going to pay you for this, brother. I'm going to pay you for this. Because I want my God to understand that that's how valuable he is to me. That I'm willing to pay. Overpay. <laughs> I'm going to pay more than it's really worth. 
See? Look at that, brothers and sisters. Now, we're almost done because we're talking about what? Talking about the presence of the Mosai. We're showing, we're showing the principles of giving to a king, brothers and sisters. We're showing how to get the or obtain the, the king's favor. How to obtain his presence. Why? Because it said in his presence is joy, brothers and sisters. And all the pleasures your heart can desire. So we're trying to find out how to get into his presence and what to do when we're there. Let's show you something here. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, Brother Corey. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. Follow us here. Stick with us, please. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They what? They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. So look at this, brothers and sisters. It says on the day of Pentecost, which is 50, was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And guess what happened? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell on that house and they started speaking in tongues, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. Read, read that one more time, brother. One through four, please. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the key is verse 1 where it says they were all with one accord in one place. This is an indication that unity attracts the presence of the Most High. Brothers and sisters. Where there's unity, God's command, excuse me, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Brothers and sisters. So you have to understand that. The children of Israel need to understand that. We all have to be on one accord. Brothers and sisters. We must know who God is. We must know who he's not. We can't call God all these different names. Well, they say it's Jehovah, Yahuwah, Yahweh, Yehoshua, Yah. This is and Omega. This is what Christians do. Israelites are doing the same thing. Come up with all these different names. No, we need to call him the God of Exodus 3. The great I am. I am in the Hebrew is Ahiah. I am that I am is Ahiah, Ashah, Ahiah. Brothers and sisters, go buy a Torah. It's in the Torah. Go buy a Tanakh. It's in the actual Tanakh. Brothers and sisters. So we must understand this. We must be in one accord in one place. You can't worship with people calling on 25 different gods. See, brothers and sisters, we're showing you how to attract his presence. Why? Because there's joy and fullness thereof in the presence of the king. Brothers and sisters. See? Herodias, she was in the presence of the king and got offered what? Half of his kingdom. So if you can just get in his presence, good things will happen from there. We're looking to find out how to obtain his favor, how to get in his presence, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 5 and 13, Brother Corey. We're almost done, brothers and sisters. Please follow us. I know it's been an extended lesson, but this is going to be a series, brothers and sisters, because this is a very important series. As we read, Christ continually saying, preach the kingdom, preach the kingdom, preach the kingdom. 
This is the first installment of the kingdom is the king who the kingdom belongs to, brothers and sisters. Here we're showing how to obtain the presence of the Most High. Second Chronicles 5 and 13. It came, it came even to pass as the trumpeteers and singers were as one. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 13. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singer were as one. As one. To make one sound to, to be heard. To make what? One sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. The key part is the first part. It says, and came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound. <laughs> See, look at this, brothers and sisters. Complete unity and praise is attractive to the Most High. He can't help himself from filling the room with his presence. See, brothers and sisters. Read verse 14, please, brother. Verse 14. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. See, look at that. When you're in his presence, just close your mouth. <laughs> just close your mouth and praise. <laughs> look at this, brothers and sisters. We don't need you to teach nothing, brother. We, we got the presence of the Most High here. <laughs> I want to need you to see something, brothers and sisters. This is a principle of attracting the king's attention in his presence. This is how you attract his presence. It's what? It says... As the singers were as one to make one sound, unity. We attract his presence with unity, brothers and sisters. This is all things we need to understand, brothers and sisters, if we're going to live within his kingdom, brothers and sisters. We've got about five scriptures. We're going to close out here, brothers and sisters. This lesson was the king and his kingdom, brothers and sisters. What have we learned so far? We've learned from the very beginning that Christ encouraged the brothers and sisters, in fact, compels us to preach the kingdom. That's what he taught over and over and over and over again, brothers and sisters. I really want, you know, those who are looking to further their vocation to go read the gospel again. Now that you have some understanding concerning the difference between preaching, teaching, you know, Teaching the destination, the kingdom. It's, it's not easy, brothers and sisters. It's not easy because there's so much deception out there, brothers and sisters. But Christ admonished, Christ compels us. He, he forces us. We're forced, brothers and sisters. We have no option. We have no choice. He said, go preach and teach the kingdom, brothers and sisters. And I understand this. There's... You know, there's more attractive things that you can utilize the Bible than most people are manipulating the Bible to teach. But just stick to the basics. It may sound vanilla. But if the Most High say be vanilla, you be vanilla. You don't need all this deep stuff until you get this. <laughs> we have an installment, a three or four week installment, brothers and sisters, detailing or chronologizing what? The kingdom, how to understand the kingdom, how to operate in the kingdom, 
brothers and sisters, the citizenship of the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom, brothers and sisters. First, we had to start with the king, how to operate in the presence of the king, rather how to attract his presence, brothers and sisters. What is his, what is he worthy of? What is he unworthy of? All of that we've learned today, brothers and sisters, and we're going to close it out. We're going to go into these last few scriptures. Follow us here. Let's go to Proverbs 25 and 29. Why? Because we're learning. What are we learning? The qualities of a king, the characteristics of a king. Proverbs 22 and 29. See thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Look at this, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Corey read that one more time. Verse 29. Seeth thou a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Diligence in all facets of life attract the attention of kings, brothers and sisters. The Most High seeks diligence in small matters. Brothers and sisters, are you diligent in the small matters? Why? Because if you're not serious about small responsibilities, how will you be given greater ones? See? This is what we look for. Even in, within our church, brothers and sisters, we look for diligence on the small things so we can put a brother or sister in authority over the greater things. See? Same thing here, brothers and sisters. The king of the earth prizes diligence highly. What you're looking at as a small thing is not small at all because it's an indication of something greater. How do we know? He who's faithful in least will be faithful in much. <laughs> See? Read that one more time, please, brother. Proverbs 22 and 29. Seeth thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. That's key. Kings... Look for diligent men to inaugurate, brothers and sisters, to give them responsibility. And we're going to use the scriptures to magnify that point. We're going to 1 Kings 11 and 28, brothers and sisters. Follow us here. Remember, kings look for diligence when choosing a leader. 1 Kings 11 and 28. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. He was what? A mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious. Seeing what, brother? The young man that he was industrious. He made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Look at that. Solomon, seeing that Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor and he was industrious. See? Industry and activity commended the young man to the attention and confidence of his superiors. Brothers and sisters, see, kings entrust more to those who would make good use of what they already have. <laughs> see, they see you making good use of what you already have. They're like, OK, let me give this brother more, because if he if he paid diligent on the small things, I know if I give him something greater, he'll pay just as much or not more attention to it. See, brothers and sisters, it's the small things. If you're a follower of Christ, you must be diligent in all things, even at your job. See? Even at your job. Even how you address people out in the streets that you don't know. How you talk to the cashier. How you talk to the janitor. 
See, how do you treat people who can do nothing for you? See, that's that's really that's really the tell right there. That's really the tell. Brothers and sisters, he's looking for diligence. Tenacious diligence to the end leads to the ultimate prize. Here we are seeing Solomon chose a brother because he was industrious and made a, a ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph, collecting the tribute, brothers and sisters. See? It's your diligence in small matters that will have great people choose you to be utilized for their work, brothers and sisters. This is key. Do everything diligently, brothers and sisters. Do everything the best you can do it. Those are the people the Most High are going to choose, brothers and sisters, for leadership, for governmental positions. Those are the people he's going to utilize for infrastructure, brothers and sisters. Not someone who's saying, well, you know, it's just a small thing, man. No, it's not a small thing. It's an indication of something greater. It's the principle of a thing. We're going to go to Proverbs 22 and 11. And then we'll end it at Isaiah 33 and 6, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 11. Proverbs 22, verse 11. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Read that one more time, brother. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Look at that. The king shall be his friend. Now, what's critical here is it says, he that loveth pureness of heart. So a man with a pure heart has gracious speech, brothers and sisters. So that great men choose him as their friend. But guess what? It begins with a pure heart. Because such hearts use gracious words, brothers and sisters. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 11. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. Now that's key because a man's speech reflects his heart, brothers and sisters. The combination is so delightful and rare that noble men are instantly and deeply drawn to a pureness of heart and gracious speech. <laughs> the king wants to be your friend. This is an indication that gracious speech is guarding every word when speaking. And guess what happens? A king will be attracted to that, brothers and sisters. A pure heart and gracious speech, brothers and sisters. Kings look for that. Authority look for that, brothers and sisters. Those in authority. So we're learning that the things that attract, that please, that get the, the favor, obtain the favor of a king, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was a king and his kingdom, brothers and sisters. We utilize biblical literature to illustrate the qualities, the character traits of a king, understanding that the Most High God referred to him as himself the king as the king of the earth brothers and sisters we're going to go to our last scripture here we're going to close out and pick up next week with our second installment on the kingdom of heaven we're going to go to isaiah 33 verse 6 brothers and sisters isaiah 33 verse 6 and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Brothers and sisters, it tells you wisdom and knowledge will stabilize you. 
especially in these times. We're going to utilize the Bible to stabilize us in unstable times, brothers and sisters. It's the scripture. It's the knowledge of the truth. It's the knowledge of the king. It's the knowledge of the kingdom that's going to act as stability in an unstable world, brothers and sisters. See, those with no knowledge and wisdom, according to the biblical text, they're the most unstable, brothers and sisters. Because you have no purpose in life. You have no vision. And the Bible warned you about men with no vision, brothers and sisters. Today was the first installment where we utilized the Bible to give us that wisdom and knowledge of how to operate in a kingdom amongst the king, brothers and sisters. We, this series will be a three or four part series, brothers and sisters. So we encourage you to catch it from the beginning. Catch it from the beginning so you can gravitate to the wealth of knowledge and understand it, brothers and sisters, so you can implement it. Because if you, you jump in from, you know, in the middle, from the back, from behind, it's not going to do you much good, brothers and sisters. You must pick it up from the first installment. The first installment here is the king and his kingdom, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.